Welcome to the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast, featuring the original hockey insider, Bob McKenzie. Hey, that's me, answering your questions on hockey or just about anything else, within reason, of course. If you have a question you would like answered, email me at bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. And we'll try to get it on the Bobcast. We were a blowout of wicked proportions. An accidental company. Hey, everyone, and welcome to the At TSN Hockey Bobcast for, um, it's a good question. What is this for? Well, I mean, we can use this week's date, the week of September 10th, 2018. But I don't even know what episode number to call this. I guess we'd call it season three. Yeah, season three. It's the third year we're doing it, so season three. But I'm not even sure you can call this a Bobcast in the traditional sense. So I'm not quite sure how to do the labeling. And to be honest, I have been giving a little bit of thought to the Bobcast, um, and I'm going to be giving much more thought to it. What form it should take this season? Should I even continue to do it? Trying to noodle around with a lot of stuff in my mind and sort through all of that. So for now, I guess, let's call this the Liar Liar Pants on Fire edition of the Bobcast. And, and savvy Bobcast listeners will know what I'm talking about. The last Bobcast I did was June 15th, 2018, right after the Cup Final and just before the NHL Awards and the Draft. And at, at the end of that one, um, which if I look back here was season two, episode 20, I suggested, and I should point out, I, it was not a promise, it was only a suggestion, that I might follow it up four or five days later with a mini Bobcast to um, sort of handle the overflow of team-related questions um, that I didn't get to that day. Well, you know, I got to Vegas for the awards and, and I was busy with draft prep amongst other things. The other things would be having dinner at Beauty in Essex in the Cosmopolitan. And by the way, if you ever happen to be in Las Vegas and you happen to be in the Cosmopolitan Hotel, by all means, I'm urging you to go to Beauty in Essex. That's the restaurant, Beauty and Essex. Um, it's one of the best restaurants I've ever been to, bar none. And so, um, as I said, between Draft Prep and Beauty in Essex, the old mini Bobcast kind of fell through the cracks in Vegas. Sorry, not so sorry. The the real apology, though, is that um, Season 2, Episode 21, which was supposed to be the final Bobcast of the 2017-2018 season, well, it, uh, it, it never got done. And, and quite frankly, I just ran out of time. That week leading up to free agency, I was running around like my hair was on fire. Everything also seemed to be so fluid in the days leading up to free agency that I really feared whatever I laid down on tape a few days before free agent frenzy would be dated so quickly. And I sure as hell wasn't going to come back after July 1 when I went on vacation and do a Bobcast. Anyways, one thing led to another. Finally, I had to say, F it, can't get it done. Sorry, actually sorry on that one. So um, all of our Bobcast listeners will be getting an absolutely full refund for me dropping the ball on episode 21 last late June. Uh, of course, since the Bobcast doesn't cost you anything at all, you're getting nothing unless maybe you count these uh, bonus Bobcasts I'm doing this week. And, and let's explain what the hell these are. Um, as I've sketched it out here, there are going to be seven of them, one each for uh, the, the, the seven Canadian teams. And, and I guess that these are more or less previews 
of what the opening day roster should look like for those seven Canadian teams. And I guess I want them to effectively replace the general manager interviews that I've done in the past number of years. Now, um, people will remember, I've gone started the, the season every year for the last three, four, five years, whatever it is, um, going to Penticton in British Columbia for the Rookie Showcase Tournament. It was great. The Vancouver Canucks were there. The Jets were there. Uh, the Oilers, the Flames. So I had all four Western Canadian general managers all in one location. Uh, and I could zip in for like two days and, and bang out four in-depth sit-down interviews with the, the GMs. Well, this year the, the Canucks and Jets were there, but the Oilers and Flames weren't. They stayed in Alberta to do uh, sort of informal rookie games in their own area. And so... I just scrapped the whole Penticton trip. If I couldn't get all four GMs in one place, it, it became a little too difficult to do. Um, in the past, it was easy peasy. This year, not so much. So I didn't go to Penticton. And this year, instead, I, I spent the weekend uh, that I normally would have been in Penticton and then coming back to, to rookie tournaments in Toronto or Montreal. Um, I talked to the general managers uh, of the Western Canadian teams over the phone and as well as the coaches, and, and just basically tried to hammer down and, and get a feel for what their uh, their teams are going to look like. Now, you know, I, I view these as replacements for the general manager interviews, and some fans are going to get all up in my grill about the fact that I did interview Toronto Maple Leaf general manager Kyle Dubas last week, and uh, the, everybody's going to start with the whole, oh, you like the Toronto Sports Network, and we, we get all the time anyways, which is fine. But um, the, the two reasons I did the Dubas interview as a one-off, uh, as opposed to doing all the other guys, is that, number one, he's the new kid on the block, never interviewed Dubas, and uh, all the other general managers had been interviewed multiple times before. And number two, um, I could get in my car and drive downtown to get the interview with Dubas, and that's why it ended up being a really easy one-off for me. Um, but if you're a fan of the Canadian team um, outside of the Leafs, and I, and I will get to the Leafs eventually, um, then you've come to the right place for what I think is a really detailed look at your club as training camps get set to open this week. So whatever you want to call these, I do hope you enjoy them. And sometime over the next couple of weeks, I am going to take a little more time to think about the Bobcast, the form it was in last year, the form it should be in this year. Um, should I do it every week? Can I do it every week? Should I do it just stick to every other week? Should I interview people, have guests? I don't know. I, a lot of things to think about and uh, and whether it's even worth doing because, as I said, um, I just started doing the Bobcast out of the goodness of my heart. And so um, if it makes sense, I'll do it. And if it doesn't, I won't. But anyways, I'll think about all that. In the meantime, here's a preview of the Toronto Maple Leafs. You know, even if the Toronto Maple Leafs had not signed free agent center John Tavares this summer to that seven-year, $77 million contract, you knew that there were going to be some pretty high expectations this season for the Leafs. But when they snagged Tavares on July 1st, well, I mean, the optimism is off the charts. And so, too, are the expectations for a team that went from, what, 69 points to 95 points to 100-plus points over the last three seasons. But, and this is, I think, an important thing to note, has posted back-to-back first-round exits in the playoffs. Now, I think there is a tendency on the part of some, probably me, to say pump the brakes a little or maybe a lot on this runaway train talk of the Leafs being legit Stanley Cup contenders. I mean, if you use conventional hockey wisdom, the Leafs might want to sprinkle in a playoff series win or two before there's all this justified talk of winning a cup or even getting to the cup final. 
But I think we also know what the Vegas Golden Knights did to conventional hockey wisdom last season. So I suppose every team now goes into the season thinking, hey, why not us? And I'm sure the Leafs are thinking to themselves, why not the Leafs? Um, let's face it, the, the basis for the excitement in Toronto is largely the offensive weaponry now at the disposal of head coach Mike Babcock. It's not, it's not just the one-two punch of Tavares and Austin Matthews, or is it Matthews and Tavares? I guess it doesn't really matter. Um, but what, what really makes the Leafs so dangerous is they've got a third line centered by a guy who can score 30 goals in Nazem Kadri and also play against the other team's best players in a shutdown role. So there are not many teams that can boast a three-line offensive attack that rivals what the Leafs have going now. So let's assume William Nylander gets his contract situation cleaned up in a reasonable period of time. It certainly looks as though Babcock is going to be moving away from what was his offensive go-to line last season. Um, he already said in the offseason that, in all likelihood, Zach Hyman won't be skating on the left side of Matthews and Nylander as he did consistently for the last couple of years. Um, veteran, veteran Patrick Marlowe is now designated to fill that spot. And, and I think that will probably make Matthews and Nylander maybe a little more dangerous off the rush since Hyman's forte is obviously the cycle game, the forecheck game. The fact that Hyman will be moving to the left side of Tavares and right winger Mitch Marner, um, well, I, I think that's Hyman's game is nicely going to complement the, the strong down low game of Tavares. And Marner, I mean, he can play it any way you want. And, and really, from the moment the Leafs started courting Tavares, their pitch to him was that he would be playing with a right winger in Marner who plays more like a center. And, and it's really a unique situation because Tavares can be an outstanding playmaker, but he's also a great goal scorer. Marner can be an outstanding playmaker, but he's also showing an ability to be a big-time goal scorer. So I think they can really feed off each other. And uh, I don't know much about hockey pools, but I think I might want to have those two guys on my hockey pool team. Uh, now, the Leafs did lose offense with James Van Riemsdyk going, and, and with his JVR's departure, and obviously Tyler Bozak going as well, the Leafs' so-called third line will have a whole new look. And, and this Kadri-led third line will be getting a lot of really tough minutes against the other team's best players, and, and you can see where this is going. If Kadri's line, and more in a moment who may be on it, goes head-to-head -head with the other team's best line on some nights, that means one of Matthews or Tavares is going to get a second-line matchup against the other team. But here's the important part. One of them is going to get a third-line matchup. So can you imagine a player like Tavares or Matthews and their line actually going up on a consistent basis against the other team's third line? That is That prospect of a real mismatch for one or both of those lines is what fuels a lot of the offensive optimism in Toronto. Now, as for that Kadri shutdown line, it would appear to me that versatile Connor Brown is, is going to be penciled in on the right side. Big question then is who fills the vacancy created on the left side because Marlowe is no longer there to play with Kadri. Most pundits would say that ultimately this job is going to go to Andreas Janssen, who was so impressive after being called up from the AHL Marlies last season. But you know, on a Babcock coach team, emerging prospects, even the blue chippers, even those who played well as well as Janssen did, and, and for that matter, Kasperi Kapanen uh, last season as well. You don't get handed anything on the first day of training camp. So I don't know whether it's going to be short-term cosmetics or maybe Babcock will play it out a bit. But to start training camp anyways, the party line out of the Maple Leafs 
is that Janssen and Kapanen are fourth liners. Now, I'm not sure if that lasts a day, a week, an hour, a month, um, but most believe that uh, Andreas Janssen is destined to fill that left wing role alongside Kadri. And if you want to know the truth, I don't think it's such a reach to suggest that Kapanen could easily play there as well, or Kapanen could supplant Connor Brown on that line. Uh, on on Kadri's right side. That's the kind of flexibility that Babcock's going to have this year. Lots of options with young, smart, fast-skilled, and tenacious players. Now, if if one of Janssen or Kapanen does skate on the third line, then the other one obviously ends up on the fourth. And and then that brings us to the discussion of fourth-line center. Um, the newcomer, Par Lindholm, is going to try to do this year what Mira Waltonen didn't do last year, and that is secure a spot right out of the gate. But Freddie Gauthier, uh, who's probably at the crossroads, he needs waivers now, played very well in the Calder Cup playoffs. Um, Lindholm and Gauthier are going to battle it out for that fourth-line spot. And there's always going to be lots of fourth-line talk in Toronto, as there has been for the last few years. I mean, at each of the last two trade deadlines, um, the Leafs went out and, and had to acquire a fourth-line center rental. In 17, it was Boyle, Brian Boyle. Last year, it was Thomas Placanitz. And, and the, the, those moves were made because the Leafs just didn't feel like the in-house options, guys like Don Moore or Freddie the Goat, were necessarily the answer. So it remains to be seen whether Lindholm can nail down this job like Alton and couldn't, or whether this is Freddie the Goat's time and that he's actually going to step up and get the job done. Uh, if we do pencil Kapanen in as a fourth-line right winger for one of those centers, there's still a potential hole on the left side. And you, you've got remaining wingers still in contention for spots would include top prospect Carl Grundstrom. Now, he played very well for the Marlies when he got there last season. Um, let's not forget returnee Josh Levo, uh, who has a tough time finding ice under Mike Babcock, but maybe this year will be different. Maybe it won't. And then there's the free agent signee on the rebound from a buyout uh, with the Minnesota Wild in Tyler Ennis. I know the Leafs have really high hopes for Grundstrom, and I think they ultimately, down the road, project him as the top six winger uh, in the not-too-distant future. But there also seems to be a pretty strong sense that barring a, a ferocious camp from him, he's likely to start this season in the AHL. If so, then that leaves Levo and Ennis, and, and they're not what I would say are players who are ideally suited to play on the fourth line. Um, and you would not think that they're necessarily third-line options to play with Kadri because I don't know how effective they'd be in a shutdown role against the other team's best players. So I'm going to be curious to see how things go for Levo and Ennis, how they're, how they're deployed. I mean, Levo, as I said, has had a really tough time getting regular ice under Babcock, even though when he plays, he plays well, and he often produces when he plays. Um, but you get the feeling that in order for him to be successful, he needs to play higher up the lineup, and with the first two lines set and the shutdown line at number three, where's the fit? I'll be curious to see. Uh, another depth player who's going to challenge for a spot is Trevor Moore, who played very well in the Marlies' run to the Calder, uh, Calder Cup championship. You know, however it breaks down on these third and fourth lines, uh, you've got to say the Leafs are loaded offensively. But everybody's going to say, what about the defense? What about the D? You know, the chronic talk amongst fans and media in Toronto is that the Leafs really need a stud on the blue line. Well, I mean, who wouldn't want a stud on defense? Eric Carlson, Drew Doughty. But I think the Leaf reality is, with what they're currently paying John Tavares, with what they're going to have to pay Austin Matthews, Mitch Marner, and William Nylander, I don't think that stud D model 
where you're paying a guy nine, ten, eleven million dollars a year on the blue line. I don't think that adds up financially for the Leafs. I know general manager Kyle Dubas said in his interview with me that he's a lot more bullish on the Leaf D than everybody else is. But the bottom line here is for now and maybe the foreseeable future this season anyways, I think what you see on the Leaf blue line is pretty much what you get. And and whatever questions arise, I think the organization for now anyways are going to be looking for those answers within the organization. Uh, Babcock certainly plans on running Morgan Riley and veteran Ron Hainsey on his top pair. Um, that polarizing figure, Jake Gardner, who's still trying to skate his way out of that Game 7 debacle in Boston, this in a contract year where he's unrestricted at the end of the year, um, I think he's going to be back with Nikita Zaitsev on the second pair, at least to start the season anyways. Zaitsev just wasn't very good last year. Let's, let's call it for what it was. He's going to need to be way better than he was a year ago. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. In terms of the, the returnees coming back on the blue line, that leaves us, I guess, with potential rising star Travis Dermott on the left side and holdover Connor Carrick on the right side in what we can call the Roman Polak hole. Uh, I mean, Carrick couldn't get regular ice there last year in large part because of Polak. Polak's gone. Does Carrick secure that spot on the third pair? That's what we've got to wait and see. Um, I, I think in addition to, uh, to to those guys, there's going to be challenges mounted here. Um Callie Rosen, who who didn't make the Leafs out of camp last year, um, made huge steps over the course of the American Hockey League season. And in the playoffs, he was really, really good, the Calder Cup playoffs. And, and let's not forget the Russian newcomer, Igor Ozaganov. Babcock's very high on him. I don't know. Um, does, he, does he get a spot right out of the gate? I'd be hard-pressed to think he doesn't get at least a look the way that Andreas Borgman got a look a year ago. Now, um, back to Rosen for a minute. I mean, he wasn't able to nail down a, a, a Leaf spot last year, took the big steps with the Mar- Marlies, and, and there were many in the organization who actually felt that Rosen was the Marlies' best defenseman in the playoffs, better than Dermott. Uh, and in fact, Justin Hall, uh, who had that brief few-game cup of coffee last year with the Leafs and made an immediate impact, he was also an integral part of the Calder Cup run. And I think Rosen and Hall are both going to get long looks. And, of course, so will Ozaganov, um, the 25-year-old uh, who, who may have to play himself off the 23-man roster. So I, I don't know what becomes of Andreas Borgman or Marty Marinson. Maybe their time's up. Um, you know, the young guys they've got, like Timothy Lilligren, they've got so much depth in competition for those final defense spots, you would think Lilligren's going to get another year of seasoning. As for the goaltending, I think we can honestly say for most of last season, Freddie Anderson's goaltending was viewed as a major strength. And I I think it should be again this season. Um, Hey, like some others in Game 7 in in Boston, he dropped the ball. Um, But in the big picture, he's the clear number one. And I I believe he'll shoulder a big workload again this year um, and and should be solid for the Leafs. The big question in Toronto, who's going to back him up? Curtis McElhaney, the veteran is back to contest his backup spot, which he was outstanding in last year. But then you've got Garrett Sparks in his mid-20s, AHL goalie of the year, backstop the Marlies to a Calder Cup, now needs waivers to go down. So there's a big-time battle there, and that's that's even without bringing Calvin Pickard or any of the other depth goaltenders into the equation. Now, the Leafs could trade one of McElhaney or Sparks. That's a possibility. They could try to sneak one of them down on waivers or risk losing one, and... Uh, 
outside chance, and I mean extreme outside chance, that they start the season with uh, three goaltenders. I, I just can't envision that. But I, I think the Leafs will let this battle play out. I think Sparks maybe has a little bit of an edge just on age and upside, but uh, that'll be one that plays out in the preseason games. I think the Leafs will be a, a fascinating study on so many levels this season. Um, can they meet the lofty expectations everybody has for them? You know, how's, how's new GM Kyle Dubas going to fare as he tries to get these landmark contracts done for some of his best young players? And I think everyone's looking to see how's the dynamic going to work between a, a first-year general manager in Dubas and a veteran, headstrong coach like Mike Babcock. I know everyone outside Toronto loves to hate the Leafs and the media that covers them, um, and that's going to be more true this season than ever because the hype train is already on the tracks and has left the station. And, and hey, that was going to happen no matter what, but once the Tavares signing occurred, it gave it a big, big push down the tracks. Uh, the reality, though, even for the haters, is that this is a good, solid Toronto Maple Leaf hockey team. They're young and skilled. I think they're built for today's game. And, and yet it's a good hockey team that has yet to really do anything. And the general feeling is this is a season in which this team needs to make some noise. And, and that's only going to amp up the pressure on everyone, notably, in no particular order, Mike Babcock, Austin Matthews, and John Tavares. I think it's going to be fun to see how it all plays out. Okay, that's it for the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like to submit a question on hockey or just about anything else, email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca, and we'll try to get it on the next Bobcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. That's at TSN Bob McKenzie. And for great hockey coverage all year round, follow the At TSN Hockey Twitter account and make tsn.ca your source for all things hockey, especially for the Tuesday and Thursday editions of Insider Trading with myself, Darren Dreger, and Pierre Lebrun. Thanks for tuning into the Bobcast. See you next time, and have a great weekend.